You can take the boy out of Melbourne, but you can't take Melbourne or footy out of the boy. Eagles diehard and amateur footy guru Ben Roden was duly dispatched to the distant town of Cowra in rural New South Wales last year, but he promptly responded by becoming the head coach of the Cowra Blues Football Club. The town has certainly left an impression on him. He's rolled back into Melbourne this weekend in his red Ford Ute to take in the Easter football. As he's the sports editor of the local paper, the Cowra Guardian, he may eventually need to call for his own sacking as well. So we've popped into Schmarvel today to catch the Good Friday game between the Kangas and the Dons, and now he's in the booth for the first of several post-footy chats over the Anzac and Easter bonanza of football, which we at the People's Game are so ready for. So, Benny, how are you, mate? Uh, Better than Brad Scott at the moment. That's probably the best way of putting it. So we are going to start with today's game, which we were both unlucky enough to to have been uh, put through. What did you make of it? Well, firstly, as you, as you know, I am the sports editor of a regional New South Wales paper. So the illustrious Cowra Guardian. So as a result of that, I had to attend to uh, rugby league duties for a quarter of the game, and I don't think I missed anything that gave away um, what happened between the first and third quarters. I think it was all on the page from the get-go. Essendon were peppering the goals. North had no confidence in their ball movement whatsoever and frankly like their structures were breaking down because of that lack of confidence so there was a clear structure there and there was a clear plan that they were working towards but there was nothing that to me as a coach like nothing that signified that there was belief in that structure at any point. Mm. The only thing that concerned me early on from an Essendon point of view was how easily at times North hit inside kicks or straight kicks up the guts from the kick out, which drifted away when Essendon kicked away in the second quarter. But it felt, and I wonder how this washes with you, it felt to me like it was a team that's probably going to maybe be bottom end of the eight playing a team that's in the in the cellar. Yeah, that would be a pretty good read on it. I felt like Essendon played almost in a way that reminded me actually of Essendon probably during Bomber Thompson's like little tenure yep. of the team in 2014. The, so, the post-supplement saga. Yeah, yeah, totally, where they kind of – like they were a bottom-of-the-eight team then as well and they're kind of fun to watch when they're up and about but they they burned goals far too often to be a serious sort of competitive threat as well. Yep, yep, yep. So, so yeah, yep. North disappointing, Dons were okay. How do you feel in general about footy on Good Friday, which hasn't always been a trend? This is the third year of it. Okay, so the best way to probably put it is I cover league on Good Friday now in a in a country New South Wales town, and I think league, it does amazing things for regional towns from what I've been told, even though I wasn't there today. Um, like, it was a huge event. We had a three-page spread the day before the game, so... I think of it in terms of the impact it has for smaller clubs in regional communities. And I think regional country towns out here should probably embrace it in the same way when it comes to the AFL doing it. um, I think for it to work, it actually needs to be focused on clubs like North and the Bulldogs and St Kilda, those smaller clubs Mm. for it to succeed and probably in a football heartland, like so an AFL heartland like Melbourne would probably be the best place for it. Um, that said, West Coast are probably going to get 60,000 today on Good Friday in Perth because, like, they're the reigning premiers and it works. But I think for it to have the benefits the AFL clearly are aiming for, 
which is to take advantage of the free hit. Um, I think it's best to do it with smaller teams. Because there's nothing to... That's the thing that struck me when you wake up on Good Friday. There's Nothing's open. There's not an awful lot to do. I mean, I spent most of the day cleaning the house and then went into the footy ridiculously early. So it does make sense purely from a, a visibility point of view. And you mentioned the smaller clubs having control of this as their marquee game. Do you reckon North's future with this game is in doubt after the way that they've performed really over the three years, but especially today? Um, in the on-field sense, I'd probably agree with you. Mm-hmm. But I think you've. this is something I was thinking about on the way back from the game and North have made the Good Friday appeal their thing. So credit where credit's due, it's them being the driving force behind this that has allowed this to happen. So mm. whether they deserve it in the on-field sense is questionable, but I think the off-field business case is actually still very strongly theirs to make because they're yeah. the ones who put the effort in. So mm. I wouldn't make a decision on that just yet, but I do think whatever happens I think if they wanted to keep doing it, it's probably north for another year because they put the hard yards in to make it work and they got 48,000 today with Essendon, which is... Not a bad crowd. Not a bad crowd. Probably, you know, obviously if it was... Well, it's actually a pretty good crowd, Ed, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. it's actually a really solid yeah, crowd yeah, yeah. for a for a low table team. That's like mm. probably going to be their top, close to their top attendance for what they'll get at Marvel this mm. year, especially for a team that was so putrid today. That yeah. is a good turnout. So, um, but I think it might need to be north if they're going to keep doing it with North, it'll probably be North and a stronger club like Essendon. That, yes, but I don't really understand why they went away from North and the Bulldogs. I'm a little bit miffed on that because I felt like that's a natural local rivalry. They're neighbouring suburbs. They're both tenant clubs at Etihad. That, to me, felt like a, quite a natural yeah. contest. So I am surprised that that was where it is. But I, I think it would be a shame with everything that North have done with the Good Friday appeal for this to be lost. And the other thing is it's probably – it doesn't – and I'm interested to get what you felt being at the ground. It didn't have the same match day feel as the other marquee games, which we're going to get in the next week, which is like Easter Monday, Anzac Eve, which is obviously fresh, Anzac Day itself, which I guess is incomparable. But even something like Dreamtime, I felt felt more like a marquee game than so today. So let's break the, all four of those down maybe to explain the difference. Good Friday is based around the Good Friday appeal. Yeah. So that's based around a charity event. So it's largely a game. Well, so it's Anzac Day, really. Yeah, but let's let's like keep it at the religious mm. as, the re- religiosity a religious aspect of um, Ant, of Good Friday is largely one that's restricted to the Christian faith. And I'd say Australia is increasingly, if not a Christian society, but yep. an agnostic society. Mm. So, or a society that's pluralistic in its beliefs. So yep. there's lots of people who may have been raised Christian. Muslim or other religions and those people may grow away, grow out of it in adulthood, but they still feel an attachment to those religions. So it's, but by and large, I'd say the trend would be that people are drifting, you know, without like, I'm talking off, off the top of my head, but I would say amongst young people, at least there's a general trend away from like a Christian. Christian I think that shows in censuses. Yeah, exactly. Like I think I'd say, I'm not sure whether it's just away from from Christianity to any other faith, but there is a move away from Christianity as that dominant faith. So as a result, Good Friday doesn't have that, doesn't play on as heavily on the mind in its significance. Whereas let's go to Easter Monday, that's fueled by the Kennet era Hawks. Mm. And And the kind of post-08 grand final rivalry. Yeah. That's where that, in my mind, really took hold as a marquee game and a game that I would pretty much go to every year without fail. Yeah. And I would say we're at the point now where, where that I actually suspect 
that tradition now is linked purely to those games just being bloody good games rather than actually being yep. um, game rather than that rivalry now because there's only probably four or five players from the era where that rivalry was at its hottest. Mm. So there's, but it's still generational, and so because the the contests themselves are so good, people will continue to go. Yeah, yep. Anzac Eve, Anzac Day speak for itself. Like yeah, Anzac yeah, yeah. Day, the crowd is buying. There's a buy-in for it, um, and then if you get to Dreamtime at the G, um, there's a huge aspect that's. It's usually ties in with Doug Nichols round. Um, as well, so it's a huge celebratory occasion for, and it's close to NADOC week usually too. Mm, it's like, a bit early. It's a lot earlier this year. A lot earlier but, this year, yeah. but in the past it has tied in with NADOC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere. And it, I, I'm surprised that it doesn't this year. To yeah, be honest, I but think it, that's like, a different. Yeah, yeah, it's different kettle of fish, but maybe, maybe, maybe it should. So yeah, no, I, I think 100 percent should. Yeah, but so that's a different. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that celebratory aspect and the fact that the game stops or the game dedicates itself to celebrate. Um, it's indigenous, mm. it's indigenous community. All of those occasions, there's an aspect to it which is larger than the game itself. Whereas for many people, and they're all, they're not matters of faith. So, I, mm. and this is also just sort of taking you back to the Good Friday appeal. This is the youngest of the the marquees. So, in terms of the visibility of what it actually is able to do in a community sense, I think that's probably still to be revealed. Although it is a big a nice little segue because I think after the way that um, Essendon played today, it'll be really interesting to see how they go against better metal on Anzac Day itself. Do you have a highlight from today's game on the field? Um, on field, probably Dylan Schill. Mm-hmm. I, th- I felt like he was dragged down to the game's level, but when, <laughs> but um, still clearly, obviously the probably, I, don't, I hesitate to say best pickup because it's like a, I think anybody would have Dylan mm. Shield in the best 22. We had 38 today and we went through the numbers in the car and the red hold and he had what, the red Ford rather, and he had what, 22 kicks and... 20, he, 23 and 13. So yeah. You said God, 36. You got a good, yeah, he had a, he had a good, well, nice kick to handball ratio. But yeah, there were times where everyone kind of today botched it up kind of inexplicably. I know Tip and Woody for me was probably, he brought me back a little bit in the second quarter when I was getting a bit what are we doing? And then he kicked a couple of goals and bobbed up and did a few things. Although he didn't have as big a, or as big a week as he has had the previous two. Um, yeah. And I'd probably say, I think one thing we probably, it's not going to get talked about and rightly so because North were putrid, but Cameron Serha is actually an excellent player in the making. Like he competed hard in four line and then mm. in the ruck, like looked like he was trying to make something happen. And for someone who was undersized, competed very well. So that's an, that's an interesting, if you were going to give me a North positive, considering they've brought in all these gun... Mm. I wouldn't say guns because, like, I mean, Aaron Hall would be close, is like a hot and cold. Jared Pollock's probably the closest out of that group to a gun. 22 today, 15 kicks, seven handballs. Yeah, but also when you're not utilising your wingman properly, it's hard to get a read on whether it's Mm. him or the system because, Mm. like, he's not like... He's not a death by a thousand cuts player. He's He can be hot and cold himself, but he's probably more consistent in being on than, say, yeah. an Aaron Hall. So he, he did only go at 54% today as me, disp- disposal efficiency. I guess the question then becomes metres gained versus efficiency because if yeah. he's gaining metres, it probably is less of an issue. Yeah. So. Which isn't in the AFL stats. I mean, Dumont had 31, so you know that's a fairly good return from him and Higgins was pretty good. But I think the biggest thing for North and the most noticeable thing was Zebel had, what, seven disposals, didn't kick a goal and was virtually absent from the game which sets a pretty 
yeah, not a great precedent um, on the Essendon front. Merritt was pretty good. Um, Danaher was a late in, which we're not going to talk about, but in fairly controversial fashion because he wasn't named in the emergencies. But I'm going to leave the the Good Friday game. We're going to leave this and move on to our next little conversation about the Cowra Blues. Now, I'm disappointed. I thought there would be some alliteration in the name, and we've been discussing this a little bit on various platforms over the past month. It's not the Cowra Cavalry or the Cowra Cows or the Cowra Crabs or the Cowra Cranberries, but I, I want you to start off by giving us the lay of Cowra as a town because it clearly is not Nowra, but I have no idea where Cowra is. So start us off there. Okay. Um, Cowra, four hours west West south, so like a very slight south, yep. but but west west, like mostly west from Sydney in the yep. central west. Yep. Town about ten thousand. Yep. Um, Industries, agricultural, um, viticultures. Um, probably not the biggest industry there, but it's growing. Mm-hmm. But agriculture definitely um, is affected by drought. Maybe not to the degree that central, like north New South Wales, is, but still a, definitely yep. a heavy heavy Factor, drought. Yep. Yeah, they do like Palmer for a farmer, and like there, there is food relief efforts in the area so it's yep. definitely a significant issue um dominated primarily by league followed by union yep. um the league team made the grand final last year um and then the union team were preliminary finalists um so it's a proud sporting area daniel hughes um new south wales cricketers yep. the most recent success um from the area um down and then also um, Shannon Boyd's playing in for the Gold Coast Titans at the moment in um, NRL, even though he's getting a lot of scrutiny as a big paid recruit. He's nevertheless a success story from Cowra and his family still sponsors the local league team, which he came from. Yeah. And so you mentioned to me off air that the club didn't play in 17 and 18. Yeah. So the, 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 let's let's maybe go back to the history of the Cowra Blues in and of itself. Not this the is, Cavalry. No, not the Cavalry. But they're actually the most one of the most successful teams in the AFL Central West competition. So they, yep, so it's the Central West Australian Football League is the official name. CWAFL. But yep. I, you sometimes say AFL-CW. Oh, it rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? AFL-CW sounds a lot better, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they've won numerous pre- premierships over the past 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Um, so what happened? Uh, guys got old. I mean, um, it happens. It happens to the best of us. I'd say... <laughs> The interesting challenge with Cowra as well is that a lot of the guys who played a few years ago were league players. Um, so you're that, basically coaching a team of Carmichael Hunts. No, I wouldn't go that far because the guys could play. So they, Better than coaching a team of Israel Falaus, I guess, in light of recent events. Yes. Carry on. Um, um, but um, there's an interesting tension between the profesh- semi-professionalism of rugby league out there because Group 10 league is CRL, which is like affiliated with the new NSWRL. Yep. Um, so you're only two or three grades in CRL. Really, people can go from CRL into extended squads for NRL. Yep. Okay. So the huge competing market. It's a huge competing market and you get paid. Yeah. And so the responsibility, the increasing responsibility of being paid means that they've cottoned on to the fact you can't let these guys play other games. Like if you could look at the lower leagues, NRL or the lower, Woods, Wood, uh, the Woodbridge Cup is like a lower league one that we cover 30Ks from where we are. Yeah. Um, there's guys there who play union on Saturdays and then they play league in the Woodbridge Cup on Sundays. So yeah. like players will back up and do both. They used to do that for the Cowra Blues. Um and then there's also probably the Cowra Blues probably had a mentality which is, you know, 
play to have fun. And so when you're not winning and, you know, some and things aren't as fun, um, you know, like if sport's not fun, why do you play? Mm, and so, well, that's probably leads me really nicely into the next question. So what does it mean having that local AFL club to a little New South Wales town, even if you're not winning? What's the yeah, benefit in it? So I probably talked away from that question just to provide that much context, but yeah. Um, yeah, so that's an interesting question. So I think the AFL, they see it as a talent hub for the future and they, they've only they've got a dr- potential draftee in the next couple of years in one of the Bathurst teams at the moment. Yep. But I don't actually know whether that's what's going to happen out there because I think it's at the I think the AFL's more concerned about making sure there are participation outlets for people from when they go from junior footy to AFL footy. Yep. So, and the reason for that is because if there aren't those pathways there, you're not going to get people wanting to stick around when they turn 12 or 13 in the first place. So that's the AFL. That's what the AFL wants it to be. I think not a feeder club because it's nowhere near that level. Like I'd say I'd be on, if I was being brutally honest, like my second or third grade teams that I played with here would probably more than easily account for most of the teams by virtue of having a better system of play. Probably the skill level is not significantly better, but I'd say the players are more well-drilled and have probably a slightly less, slightly more consistent application. But there's there's contextual reasons for that because it's an agriculture industry. Players are out in the sun for like 12 hours a day, so they don't really necessarily want to come to training, pre-season training in the middle of January when it's 35 degrees. Does anyone, but yes. But, I mean, obviously I persisted mm. because that's part of my job is to like, begin that shift towards a slightly, you know, more professional approach to training. But at the same time, the next challenge is now finding a way to accommodate accommodate the players who are willing to do that and then the players who just want to have fun because they both need to coexist in a single team environment, which is like that's probably the biggest challenge out there is the AFL wants it to be a more, not I wouldn't say professional, but a more structured kind of training plan. Yep. Um, there, you know, but there's the old way of doing things also works for a reason. And I'm beginning to, that's like, you know, last minute ringings and stuff like that is part of the lay of the land. And it's like, it's a fun challenge. Like I actually think it's challenged me in really good ways. Cause I don't think I would have got these lessons in coaching if I started at West Brunswick where I used to play. Yeah. And so you speak there about your challenges and you spoke about rugby taking players away. So what are your other issues with actually getting a team on the park each week volunteers volunteers are like will probably be not close to maybe a couple of players kids and one or two others for away games yes the the, let me it's a six-team competition um and dubbo is the furthest one so that's 225 kilometers away from (sighs) cowra it's a fair drive um and then there's three teams in bathurst which is 100 kilometers away from cowra yeah so everyone's a track um, and we're the further south team, so yep. everyone's a trek to us. So Dubbo beating us last week. Oh, the Dubbo Demons. Yes, we'll get to that later. We might get to that later. But And then in the middle is Orange, who are last year's premiers. Yep. And then further slightly west is um, Parks, who are, were probably in a similar position to us at the start of the season where there was a lot of questions about will they or won't they make it for get the up, season yeah. proper. Um, their issue was more, from what I've been told, um, 
slightly more like fiscal and financial related. Like not yeah, not, and that's not a Cowra Blues problem. No, that's Cowra Blues problems. Plight, getting the personnel out on the park. Yeah. Oh, if you need a man, I'll come up. We've said that. Big JB in the ruck. So oh, I've got a good ruck though. He's like he's like eighteen. I'll, played his I'll second play game. Second ruck. I'll play second ruck. He got twenty five touches, probably playing out of the middle in his second game ever of football, and he's a former league player. So I was trying to convince someone. I was yesterday. I was Max Gorn without the hit outs and the hard ball gets, and it didn't go down too well, and it probably won't go down too well to the listeners of this pod. So you copped a hundred point drubbing at the hands of the Bathurst Bush Rangers Outlaws. I'm not really sure. Why they need to be the Bush Rangers and the Outlaws? Okay, I'll explain Bathurst. Bathurst is like the powerhouse of powerhouse of the competition. They have yep. three teams in the area. One's affiliated with the Greater Western Sydney Giants, which is the Bathurst Giants. Yep. Uh, um, uh, what's the other thing? Okay, so the Bathurst and the Bush Rangers. Bush Rangers have have enough for two teams, so they have the Outlaws and the Rebels. Now let me explain how they do it. Rather than have one really good team that would dominate the competition, and one really average team they do a draft like four weeks out from the season proper and they divide like a schoolyard pick it's pretty much oh, exactly, that's fun that's exactly how they do I it i want to interview much. that coach yeah i met i mean St- like steve grundy's one of the night like he they used to have a real rivalry with cara because cara used to be really good obviously yeah and so they were saying like they're trying to sort of semi bury the the hatch a bit so they had a bunch of like they had a full carton mm. of beers for the Alp guys after the game, even though they belted us by 130 points. So Okay, so talk me through that loss. And then the burning question, did you write your own – did you call for your own sacking in the paper on Monday? Okay. Um, I can answer that straight away. No, I did not. Because if there is ever a lack of journalistic impartiality, it's the, uh, the coach of the local footy team being also the sports editor of the local paper. Yeah, that's true, but um, – you know, I don't take my byline. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um. <laughs> a, a series of wonderful moves by coach Ben Roden drove the Cowra Cavalry to their first victory of the year. Okay, so the issue with that was we had a lot of players who were vol- who volunteered or were volunteered by extra, like not directly through me at the last minute. So, um, and they said, yeah, we're right to play. And then, you know, I'd say like, I probably have about five or six players who rock up hungover to play as no big deal. Um, it's the Central West. Um, <laughs> um, the wild so, Central West, apparently. And I probably had about half a dozen who were playing their first game okay. since juniors or ever. So that's, you know, pretty significant. It wasn't quite Brad Scott areas then. No, it wasn't quite Brad Scott areas. Also, um, six of the guys that pulled out, they pulled out probably because I hadn't spoken to them yet. And I, you know, it's difficult, like, because, um, yeah, because, like, I think, you know, I think they're those group of players that I talk about where they need to know that they're they're there to have fun, but they also want to know that they're wanted in the team. So it's kind of like um, it's about me doing that outreach to them and getting, getting around them. Mm. Um, but they'd made a semi-commitment and I think, you know, once you start bringing 100K travel tra- times into it, it's hard to convince people on a Saturday morning sometimes to make that trip. So, you know, and because the attitude to sport there is sport, footy in particular, AFL is not like the same stakes as playing leagues. So when a player doesn't want to play, they just don't play. Yep. And so we went from 24, so 18 and 6, to six, 18, which means we can play 16 and 2 on the bench. And so 
18, including me. So I came out of retirement and I should add the last time I was on this podcast was for retirement. It was, and I was going to ask you about that, but yes. And um, I reluctantly played because at the end of the day, I felt concerned about my new players getting trounced after I promised a fair, promised a bench and I needed to do something to present a solid. So the the answer was to do it yourself. Yeah, because I think doing it myself showed solidarity with my guys, and I started in the centre bounce. So, and I p- was named in the best by the not by me, but is that a little little head wobble there? Well, you know, humble humble brag, hum- humble brag. Being so. in the best in a big loss, though, it's not yeah, quite it, the it's same. not quite the same. But not it was enough. For, but it was enough for me to show that one of the things I think my players were skeptical about was because I played reserves grade football mm. in Melbourne. Um, they probably. I needed it was also a good way to show them that you can actually kick a ball. I can kick a ball mm. and I probably hit more like I was in, my kicking was inconsistent but when I like hit a target like I fucking hit a so target. So you basically were the Patrick Cripps of the Cowra Blues. I wouldn't say that. In the honorable loss. No, I wouldn't go that far cuz I probably I was off the pace. I hadn't yeah. I'd, I'd been training them. I'm winding you up mate, it's alright. I'd been training them and I hadn't been training myself so I didn't cover the ground the same way I used to but like I was, you know, I was handy. Um but it was anyway, long story short, the that one two eight point loss was still a success in my mind as a coach because at the end of the day, um, all I asked for was effort and they gave that. So, you know, that's that's the other thing I'm trying mm. to change. I think their culture around Cara was you're only really having fun if you're winning, which is like a flawed philosophy, flawed, yeah. flawed philosophy for so many reasons. Yeah. Like but firstly the amateur participatory aspect of it like don't get me wrong you're going to need I'm going to there's going to come a time in this year where I'm going to we're going to need to start delivering wins because you need to reward morale and you need to reward effort but I don't think I think given the fact we are so relentlessly undermanned you can't it's unrealistic to expect winning as your Mm. metric so but I didn't say that we couldn't win either Mm. I'll I'll back my guys in every weekend, regardless of whether they get beaten by 100 points or they're going to win by 100 to achieve the same result, which yeah. is a win. And then, so Dubbo knock you off by 46. So I'm going to finish off here with two questions. Number one, do you, is that actual Central Western competition in any danger at all of folding if, say, like a cower pulled out and you lost another club, what would happen to the comp? Or is, it, or is it safe we're not looking at a country Victoria sort of scenario? I wouldn't say it's safe. Mm. I'd say the struggle is real for everyone outside of Bathurst. Yep. Okay. So Bathurst, they've done legwork there, New South Wales. They've got the they've got the people on the ground. They've got good people on the ground there. So that's like really important. Yep. I think I think the fact that they lost another they lost Young in the preseason, which is so just for context, Young is a like same size as Cowra pretty much. They had a guy who's tried to get the team up the last few years and they folded in twenty seven 18 as well mm. so they're the same situation as us um, so they folded again like at the start of the year and they just packed it in so there's been a real push from the AFL Sydney to make sure that these teams don't fold I'm not sure whether they the impetus is about making sure the teams don't fold because they want to see those teams succeed in their current forms. I think uh, the sceptic in me thinks it's more about making sure those teams survive long enough until another generation of young players comes through and then there'll be generational change within the club mm. and, you know, 
um, which makes me sceptical about it because I think the people out there who run these things, they like they're true dreamers. Like doing this out in league heartland is like absolutely yep. hard yakka and it's unrewarded a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, um, I'm not sure. I don't think it's healthy, but I don't think it's like about to fall apart yet. Yep. Either. I think the resources are there to catch it if it falls. Yeah. But so I, you got a little bit of time on your side. We got time on our yeah, side. Cool. And I think, I think the one thing that is important to note is the junior feeder programs like Cara's under 12s and 14s top-notch teams like they won premiership they've won premierships at that age group so they're okay. coming along at a rapid rate all so. right mate. drive safe back up the highway in the red the red ford still needs a bit of a clean so maybe do that before you get in there but as always it's it's been lovely to see you after your original hiatus thank you it's good to be back um you know just maybe one thing if anyone anyone wants to come up to cara for a game uh more the merrier the people's team Look, the my one of my one of my players has played football for thirty years, um, and he's still a gun. And if you want to play with someone like that, you're welcome to come down. And I've got I've got some players who can do things that you know they'll frustrate they'll frustrate you because they're second gamers, <laughs> but they can do things that I probably haven't. I that only the game's most elite can do as well. So, and I'm, I may say that genuinely. There's some genuine like athletic freaks of that team who are all all rounders and if they stick with the game for long enough, they'll do exciting things for that competition at an amateur level. So, yeah. Beautiful. So stick around and have a look for further bevs in the sheds on uh, potentially Easter Saturday, Easter Sunday, Easter Monday. We'll see how we're going and how the footy goes. Thanks for joining us once again. Mm